Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NL Full-Time Podcast on definitely the windiest, probably the wettest and uh, I think Chris Pratt joining me. Uh, possibly the coldest weekend of the of the football season so far, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I had to check whether my toes were still there when I got back yesterday. It, it was one of the, <laughs> where the heater comes on full blast on the feet as soon as you get in the car. In fact, my son had to go and sit underneath the stand in the little cafe at the ground where I was at for 10 minutes. Now, that says a lot about his resilience, but it also says a lot about how cold it was yesterday. <laughs> Well, it was a strange old uh, day on Saturday in the National League where both the top two sides uh, were forced out of action. So Chesterfield's game with uh, Maidenhead was was uh, off for COVID-related reasons, but uh, structural damage caused the uh, curtailment, well, not the curtailment, the postponement of uh, the game, which a lot of people were looking forward to between Grimsby and Boreham Wood. Uh, and uh, Eastleigh as well had a serious power outage, so their game against Solihull couldn't go ahead. But uh, nevertheless, it was an opportunity for some of the teams in the chasing pack to uh, try and make some headway. And I guess where we really should start, Chris, is one team that did. Halifax, uh, FC Halifax Town, um, took full advantage of some some mixed form, really, that talk here in at the moment. And... Uh, there was a, the old typical talky late comeback, but uh, with with Halifax having a three goal lead at that stage, it was too little, too late. Yeah, I think those late two goals put a bit of gloss on it, didn't it? Really, for uh, for, for Torquay and made it look closer than it actually was because the fact was that Halifax were were three nil up um, for a long time in that game and. Um, Two fantastic goals as well by by Jordan Slew. Absolute bangers um, put them up there, and um, and obviously they went on and, and they uh, they held on. Now um, they'll be really pleased with that. Um, obviously Pete Wilde was disappointed in in midweek when they got beat by Wrexham. Um, I think they felt that they were a better team in in that game uh, in midweek, and they've, they've bounced back in the in the best possible in the best possible style and. Um, what you've got to say now as well is that, that Sam Johnson's kept seven uh, clean sheets now in, in the league this season. So defence-wise, it's going really well. There's only um, Scott Loach at Chesterfield who, who's kept more. So they didn't keep a clean sheet yesterday, but they, they, were, they were far enough ahead by the time, um, by the time that Torquay scored. I think they got the first in 88 minutes. So uh, fantastic three points. And, and Halifax, you know, they're there and thereabouts. They haven't got the budget of a lot of teams in and around them, but they're doing fantastically well. They certainly are. They're up to third place now, and 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 they've quite often popped in around sixth or seventh, maybe fifth in the league. But third at this stage is fantastic. And although the the two teams above them didn't play, that was actually that was effectively a game in hand for Halifax. So they now sit two points behind Boreham Wood and uh, three behind Chesterfield. And of course, one other quirky fact as a result of Torquay's two goals in that comeback means that the guy who did ultimately get the third goal for Halifax um, and got the winner was Billy Waters against his old club. And 
He had nothing really to prove to Gary Johnson yesterday because he's been proving it week in, week out throughout the season, hasn't he? It's been fantastic, Rob. He's been absolutely fantastic. And and you just know when you look at a Halifax match and you look at who scored in the game that Billy Waters' name is always going to pop up. And it was a poacher's goal again yesterday. He was just following in on a on another long-range shot of, of Halifax's and just popped it in the, in the bottom corner. And he didn't know then that it was going to be the winner. But as you say, it, it did turn out being the winner. And I think, um, you know, I think that shows that he's had a bit of a revival, hasn't he, really, at, at Halifax? And it shows the, the sort of coaching that is going on up, up, up there because he's a name now, isn't he? When, when teams play Halifax, it's how do we keep Billy Waters from, from scoring against us today? He's a, he's a proper striker, isn't he? He can score him from outside the box, but he scores a lot of those ones inside the six-yard box that all managers love. Yeah, he's a proper poacher that most sides in the National League would want in their side. So Halifax third with 33 points, Grimsby a point behind on 32. And they're now joined by Notts County, who prevailed in the TV game. I didn't get to watch it all live. I was busy uh, parting away at a 70s night in Cambridge, which was, was going to happen, but I might say, Chris, win, lose or draw yesterday. Um, it might have been the pick-me-up that was needed, but we'll come to that in a little while. But, um, yeah, Notts County, they came through 2-1 and... You know, they weren't, by all accounts, overly impressive in that game, but got the job done. And, and Dagenham and Redbridge seem to be the one with a few hard luck stories at the minute, and genuinely so, because they're picking up injuries. Um, they were without uh, McCallum for a couple of games suspended. Then he came back in last week and scored an own goal. Um, Belanta was on the mark again, but uh, more injuries for Dagenham to deal with. And uh, it was a frustrated Darren McMahon that I saw interviewed after that game. Yeah, I think he can be frustrated. There wasn't much in that game yesterday. Uh, it was essentially one that was a good cross and um, Carl Watton got across his marker again and, and nodded one nodded one home, which ended up, up being the winner in that game. But before that, I, I must admit, I only saw the second half as well when I, when I, when I got back in. I haven't seen the, the first half, but from what I saw in the closing stages of the game, it was a very, very even game. And, um, you know, Dagenham and Redbridge were trying, were pushing at the end to, to try and get that equaliser. But I think they defended well. Carl Cameron was fantastic, actually, for uh, for Notts County, even though he's got a crazy haircut and a weird, weird moustache. <laughs> and he looks like, you mentioned the 70s, he could have been at that disco or whatever you were he, at last night, Rob. Yeah, he might, he might have been. He might have been. Now, I was lost in music, but uh, sadly for Dagenham, they lost that game. They've lost a bit of ground. They've dropped to 10th now, and they've not been able to keep up their early season form. But equally, they're there and thereabouts, which, uh, according to Gary Johnson anyway, is just where you need to be at this stage. Not that his side are just at this moment in time. But, uh, yeah, a terrific win. Three points, however you can get them, for Notts County. So that keeps them in the hunt. Fifth place, 32 points. They have played a game more than uh, Grimsby. And then uh, just right behind them come two teams that did clash yesterday. It was a fascinating one. I was keeping a close eye on this. Wrexham against Bromley. Um, and with Wrexham in mixed form and Bromley going really, really well, I must admit I fancied that uh, Andy Woodman's men might come away with the points here. But it, it didn't go their way, Chris, did it? And... Uh, it kind of went wrong early on. Yeah, trotter had to trot off, didn't he? <laughs> very, very early on. Um, and that was something that Andy Woodman um, 
wasn't that happy about really, and it and it did change the the course of the game. And when you look at it back, it was one of those ones that you think, well, could it could it just been a yellow? Was it just a bit over enthusiasm when he when he went in for that challenge? But the referee said no. The referee was close by. Courage of convictions. He reached for the red card straight away, and um, and that was him done. And um, and yeah, and Wrexham Wrexham bagged all, all all three points there. And it's always difficult in them sort of games. As a neutral, you don't want to see that, do you? You you really don't want to see that. Obviously, as the away team whose who's player gets sent off the nine after nine minutes, you don't want to see it. If you're a Wrexham fan, you are over the moon because you know that you should go on and, and win the game. And they and they did that. And what I what, what I want to point to is we were just speaking about Dagenham and Redbridge then. There's a three-point gap that has now opened up in the league table from ninth to tenth. Solihull on 29, we'll speak about. Well, Solihull didn't play yesterday, but um, there's a three-point gap um, from ninth to tenth now. But from ninth up to Chesterfield at the top, there's seven points covering nine teams. It's getting congested up there. And when you have a game like that against the team who are up there, you have to get the three points, and that's what Wrexham did. Yes, they may have got help in hand. Could have mm. just been a booking when, when Trotter went off, but, um, but yeah, they went on and uh, got the three points. Yeah, terrific day for uh, Wrexham. Just a bit of detail. Reese Hall-Johnson got the first goal. I don't think we're going to debate whether it was a cross or a shot. Clearly, it was a cross. But, you know, once or twice a season, they drop in, don't they? If you put the right kind of ball in, Paul yeah. Mullin with a, a, a fantastic poacher's finish. He's back fit and firing again. Um, so, uh, Wrexham got the job done on Saturday. Right, what's changed in the league table over the last couple of weeks that I've noticed all season we've been going Stockport and Wrexham mid-table, underachieving. Well, do you know what? Guess what? They're going through the gears because Wrexham are now in the top seven and Stockport County are only out of it on goal difference. They are flying under Chaloner. Uh, talk to us about it. Another fantastic win against what's normally a quite resilient Wildstone side, but four goals away from home. Fantastic day at the office for Chaloner and Stockport. Oh, it's like, um, I mean, you know how it is, Rob. It's just a different club. It's just a totally different club. You bring, bring someone else in. And and things have changed so much. Since Dave Challoner took over, I've been watching this, as you might expect. They've moved a place up every game. They're very consistent. They're just moving a little further place up every single game. And they're putting teams in that in that second half of the of the table. They're just putting them, you know, they're putting them away convincingly. Ollie Crankshaw with a hat trick yesterday. He's been unbelievable since since he signed. And do you know what? I saw him a few years on loan at Curzon Ashton, and he was a tiny little spindly lad. And I wasn't. I think I thought a big gust of wind did blow him over. You know, and, <laughs> and now the the way that his career is is developed is is unbelievable. They haven't lost since Dave Challoner took over. They've scored twenty four goals in seven games since Simon Rusk left. When Simon Russ was in charge at the start of the season, they scored two goals in the first seven games. So it's it's incomparable. It is just chalk and cheese. And they look like they're going to score every single time they go forward. So stopping them is going to be incredibly difficult. 
We'll we'll gloss over the uh, the Ben Hinchcliffe mistake at the end that just seemed to either go through his hands or, or go past him because they were you know they were they were well up. But you know I'm I'm putting that together with a five nil um, victory against um, Kings Lynn in midweek, a two one victory last week against a, a good Woking side. You know they beat um, Bolton five three in the cup um, a few days before that. There's goals absolutely everywhere and. Teams are going to be terrified when they're coming up against against County at the minute because they're definitely the form horse at the moment. And I think what we're seeing is Dave Challenger knows this division inside out. He's, um, he, you know, he's, he's come over to Stockport County. He's probably looked around, looked at that squad list, looked at that dressing room, and been rubbing his hands together because what they're starting to do, Stockport now, is what I, I absolutely thought they'd do. I thought they'd be banging three, four, and five in every couple of weeks this season. Um, and it just shows, doesn't it? Um, when a manager knows what he's doing and when the players believe in the manager, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take that much. Um, difficult one for Wilston. They've been picking up points of late and pulling clear of trouble. But uh, as we know, it doesn't take long to, uh, to just drop a place or two each week. Um, still around the mid-table, really. Woking and Barnet. Uh, probably the two most mid-table teams playing yesterday. Um, both sides been in pretty reasonable form, Barnet particularly so uh, under Dean Brennan. And uh, they got the job done uh, yesterday. And uh, while I was at Kings Lynn, where they're desperate for a, a striker that can put the ball in the net, which we'll come to in a moment, um, one of their old strikers, Adam Marriott, did what Adam Marriott does for Barnet yesterday. Both goals, including the 90th minute winner. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he, he was fantastic for Kingsley, wasn't he? And that's and he scored absolute hatfuls for them. And it's so important when you're in a situation like like Barnet were in. I will say were in in, in past tense because. They've won four out of five, Rob. Um, and I think that's the difference at the minute between um, the two teams that we, we've just mentioned that played each other yesterday. Woking, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, lose two, then win one. So they've been quite inconsistent at, at the minute, Woking, and they'll, they'll want to work on that. But Barnet, um, you know, that's as I said, that's four wins out of five, and it's, it's going um, really well for them. What I did find interesting um, watching the uh, BT Sport was an approach has been made um, to Woking for Alan Dowson by a football league club. Um, yeah. So, uh, an interesting development. And that, you know, we talk about um, strikers and defenders and how they're playing and all that sort of thing. Those are the sort of things that can change a, a season. So I think we'll be watching that with interest. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's no surprise. He's, he's got a really good record in management and, uh, you know, Woking and Woking under Dowson have managed their transition to a full-time team really well this season. They haven't drawn a game, as you say, so uh, they're going all out there. They're either winning or losing, but you pick up three points on a fairly regular basis. You're gonna, you're gonna do okay. There's a, there's an obvious link there, really, because the other side that turned full-time in the summer uh, were Kings Lynn, and uh, they've had a difficult start. They've had a wretched time, in fact. They they still can't win a home game at the Walks. I think they've managed to draw with Barnet, uh, and that was when Barnet was struggling. And that's the best that they can manage. Uh, Ian Culverhouse, highly rated coach, good contacts in the game, plays nice football, but it's not been effective. Um, and he won't want to keep getting the plaudits about what a nice football inside they are because it's all about putting points on the table. Um, and aside, you know an awful lot about wretched home runs. They're all to shut down. They got their 
their back-to-back home wins at the EBB uh, in the last two weeks. Could they go and make it three on the trot at the walks yesterday? Well, they did. Um, it was a late goal, uh, a very, very well-worked goal to, headed home by uh, Alfie Whittingham in a game which was a nothing game. Awful conditions, awful pitches. I think you, you made a comment on or you'll make a comment on, Chris. Um, but Aldershot kept a clean sheet again for the second successive game, having not kept one all season, uh, stayed in the game and took their chance when it came along. And honestly, you know I watch Aldershot week in, week out. This is what happens to Aldershot, not for Aldershot. But it's now happened midweek, 85th minute against Torquay, 81st minute at Kings Lynn. And Mark Molesley's side, Chris, are far and away the youngest in the league, particularly with some of the experienced players that are out injured at the minute. And that was a massive three points. Nine points in a week. It took 14 games for Aldershot to get their first seven points. Um, Just from the outside looking in, uh, you must be bewildered by that. Yeah, I mean, who'd have put money on that, Rob? <laughs> a few, a few weeks ago, it's uh, it's unbelievable. And obviously, turning question master for for, for a second, mm. um, is this being achieved by you know hard work, high press, full energy? Um, is it being um, achieved by slightly different formation, different style of play, and is it sustainable? Do you think will it will it continue? Are you going to make it four? Well, it's some really good questions. The two main things I would say behind the achievement is incredibly hard work and guts and determination and passion, which which I think just oozes out of Mark Molesley. He's always achieved in adversity. And even coming into Aldershot in a difficult position and then losing eight out of nine matches, he still kept his head. He still believed in what he was doing with Tom Prodomo. And that has eventually rubbed off on the team. They look comfortable with it. In themselves, they look comfortable with a three at the back and uh, the skipper Kinsella playing at the left wing back. And young Alfie Saunders given everything he's got, a youngster, fearless youngster uh, in the right back uh, wing back position. And uh, it's just wonderful to see a little bit of um, reward for that hard work that they've been putting in. And they were putting this in, in in a lot of those early games that they were losing. The sustainability of it that's the key question. But the bizarre thing is, Chris. This is happening while Aldershot have a lot of players out injured, experienced players, you know, like um, Scotty Wagstaff and Toby Edser at the back, Giles Phillips and Kev Locko, Mo Betema out up top. Obviously, Jimmy Torre came in, but he picked up an injury and uh, went back to his club. So it's um, it's been uh, through adversity, and I think sometimes that bonds you. Uh, and when you start to get rewards, they fight even harder for the next one. Um, and it's a terrific run. Some more difficult games perhaps coming up for Aldershot, but there'll be a lot of renewed belief there and a lot of competition for places as those injured players start to come back and don't necessarily walk straight back into the side. Yeah. And, and on Kings Lynn, Rob, um, you mentioned that they're trying to play some, trying to play good football, a good um, sort of passing brand of football. What, what do they need to do to get out of, of the situation that they're in? My goodness me, they're going to have to do a whole lot of the same. They're going to have to have a bit of good fortune. Uh, they did bring in a striker yesterday, Ken Charles, who's been playing at Chesson, uh, scored 13 goals this season. He's had a couple of prolific spells in his past. Um, I think he has had a recent injury, so he was only on the bench and he came on late on. 
It's so, so difficult. I, look, I'm just going to put this out there because I think it's, I think it's, 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 it's kind of well, well known over the last week or so. Um, there's been a lot of rumours, a lot of rumours about a management change at Kings Lynn. And, and I personally was surprised that when that game kicked off yesterday, Ian Culverhouse was still in charge. That's nothing to do with my opinion of whether he should or shouldn't be. It's just based on things that I've heard. Um, and, and a number of people have heard, you know, um, about perhaps the desire to make a change. But um, I guess if the Kings Lynn chairman and board can't find the right person, then why wouldn't they stick with Ian Culverhouse? It's just not very nice for Culverhouse in this situation with the axe kind of hanging over him a little bit. Um, uh, Stephen Cleave tweeted yesterday after the game, and I can't remember it word for word, but he said, I'm hurting right now. Uh, I know a lot of you are hurting um, and perhaps some people are not hurting as much as they should. Um, but uh, don't give up before the miracle. Right. And that's what they're going to need, isn't it, Chris, a miracle now? They're going to need a few if they're going to stay up because it's looking more and more likely that they might uh, just join Dover as uh, the surefire bets to go down this season. It is, yeah. And I think um, from a from an outsider looking in, they've conceded 37 goals this season, um, which there's only Dover who've um, conceded more. And, you know, that's got to be rectified, hasn't it? Um, before they can even think about moving up. If they're conceding two-plus goals a game, you know, you're, you're, you're hampered before you even start, aren't you? Absolutely. A couple of games left to look at. Dover. Cannot get that first win. Uh, a few games recently they've had the lead, but they've not been able to hold on to it um, right the way through. It, uh, I did see a goal flash up that they'd gone 2-1 up at Yeovil yesterday, but it was quickly uh, scrubbed out. And uh, I think probably Yeovil will be the more disappointed of those two teams, weren't they, Chris? Because they've been in decent form, just uh, uh, gliding up the table a little bit over recent weeks. And uh, they'll have seen Dover as... Uh, uh, as a, a great chance of three points, but they didn't get it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, bizarrely, there's probably quite a lot of pressure now when you come up against Dover because every single fan who walked in that ground will be sat there, arms folded, let's win, let's get off and have a drink or do whatever we do after the game. Let's enjoy a few goals and uh, and get the three points, which we're going to get. But wasn't to be yesterday, was it? And Dover, Dover scored early on and they're probably thinking, oh, is this too early? Maybe if we got a second, that might give us a bit more of a cushion and we might not have that late goal saga um, that we've had for the past few times. But no, certainly um, Yeovil will be, uh, will be disappointed. And I, I don't even think it'll be one of them situations where we're one down with 15 minutes to go and we bagged the point. I, I, I don't even think it'll be one of those where people will be, be pleased uh, about that. But for him, from Dover's point of view, look, I think we all know, I think Dover know that they're going to go down and it's about pride and it's about um, you know next season really, isn't it? And it's about uh, you know playing for a shirt, playing for a contract and that, and that sort of thing and, uh, and playing for the fans who, who are following you and making the journeys and, uh, and getting ready for next season. Absolutely. One final game to look at, and sorry, Southend fans, to leave it until last because you waited a long time for a result like that yesterday. Bright start up at Ulti, Chris. Uh, Reese Murphy, uh, the epitome of being in the right place at the right time. I don't think he knew anything about it. Someone else's shot just cannoned in to the goal off him. Uh, and then a nicely worked goal, Sam Dolby, 
making it 2-0 uh, just after the half an hour mark. Uh, and I must admit, watching from afar, I thought that was an impressive start by Southend, but I was just waiting for the ulti comeback because they do it time and time again. And uh, it started, didn't it? Um, yeah. On six, 68 minutes, Dan Mooney with a fine strike. And I was just waiting for the 2-2 to tick in, but it never came. Southend, hold on. And that'll be a real morale-boosting victory for Kevin Maher and his management team. Well, do you know what? I've actually penned this as result of the day. Um, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've put in capital letters underneath my notes. Has the revival started? Because, as you say, Kevin Maher said, um, we've probably deserved something for the last few games. So the, the tide has been turning. They just haven't really been been getting those results. And, uh, and they got one yesterday at, um, at Altrincham. And it's the... Um, it's the first time they've, they've they've beaten anyone other than Dover since early October in the league. That is um, so. Yeah, has the revival started? Let's caveat that with, you know, sometimes these things do affect things on the pitch. But Altrincham have had an incredibly difficult week off the field with restrictions on numbers due to safety concerns about the the stands. And you'll notice if you saw the highlights, there was a lot of people packed to the side just in front where the social club is. Um, they're, they're at Altrincham and they, they couldn't have as many away fans as possible so that's been um, that's been really difficult for them but what I will say is that when they haven't played at Altrincham they've picked four points out of the last um, out of the last six available including a point at Chesterfield in midweek as well although Chesterfield you know had, were injury hit for for that game so yeah, Altrincham, Altrincham will regroup. I'm sure they'll get those issues issues sorted. It sounds like they're getting close to getting them sorted. But yeah, has the uh, Southend fans, has the revival started? Well, I'm watching it and uh, from afar and it's tracking the Aldershot one. If you think Molesley came in, a couple of three games in, they got a win against Dover and then nothing for a little while. And then they got that vital second win, which uh, for Aldershot was uh, against Grimsby. Um, and for Southend has come at Alty and you know you know it's three points you'll take it anytime any place anywhere but you've done it against a good side as well and that will so so important for the new management team um, for the players to believe in what they're doing there uh, obviously John Stills come in as well hasn't he at, uh, uh, the, at the top end I guess probably heading up the recruitment effort um, and uh, yeah, looking at the bottom end of the National League table, Dover cut adrift, minus eight points, Kings Lynn on eight, and there's a six-point gap now to Southend and to Maidenhead, albeit they have a couple of games in hand. Weymouth were the odd side out, so to speak, of the 23 on Saturday, so they didn't have a game anyway. And Aldershot Town up to 18th now with 16 points, and probably for the first time all season looking at. We're going to have a look now at the FA Trophy. <sighs> so, let's talk about you. Actually, let's talk about me, just for a bit, because I was like you. In 40-odd years, I hadn't done much exercise, but I knew I had to start. So, I got the Couch to 5K app. From not being able to run for more than a minute, nine weeks later, I was running for half an hour. It's simple, it's free, and it's all planned out. With a little support, it's amazing what your body can do. Join thousands of monthly users. Download the free One U Couch to 5K app now because there's only one U. Joining Chris and I for the FA Trophy roundup is uh, Dickie Wharton. And uh, Dickie looks different this morning. You can't see that, listeners, but me and Chris can. And we can see it written all over his face. W-I-N, the, dub, the big <laughs> W. Come on, let's, let's give Telford their moment of glory. 
Uh, FA Trophy, you've waited a long time for a win, Dickie. Top of the top of the bill, Telford, 4-0 away win in the FA Trophy. Tell us all about it. Yeah, it, it was, um, I suppose, uh, looking at the, all the ties in, um, uh, in the second round yesterday, um, there were an awful lot of all National League North ties. I think there were 18 teams in National League team, National League North drawn against one another. So, um, you know, nine home, nine away. That means only four were drawn against opposition that were lower than them. And if you look at Telford's uh, draw, I think it was one of those where people think, look, if anybody is going to come a cropper, they're bottom of the table. Um, and, and I think all eyes were perhaps on that tie for that reason. But Telford came through it really comfortably in the end. Um, no doubt helped by the fact that they had their new manager, Paul Carden, on the touchline. Obviously, he's looking for, um, well, he knows what he's looking for in his new team um, that he's taken over, having joined from Warrington last week. And, and they responded. I think it was, it was thoroughly professional. Two goals from Jason Oswell um, in the first half after Kai Williams had earned the scoring. They added a fourth in the second half through Don McHale. I do feel a little for Felix Dolan Walton because I think they'd suffered a number of injury problems going into the game. So they weren't able to put out the side that I think they truly would have wanted to. Um, but all in all, yeah, it was a really, uh, you know, dare I say it, professional performance from, from Telford yesterday. And a really nice day as well. The people at Felixstone Walton couldn't have been more welcoming. Um, and as much as it was a long way and it was, there was rain and wind and whatever, um, yeah, they, they were great hosts. And Katie wouldn't forgive me if I didn't ask you, any pies? Any decent pies? No, no pies. That was one of the letdowns yesterday. <laughs> oh, right, Chris. Looking at the uh, other FA Trophy games in the North, as Dickie said, quite a lot of them played each other. Who prevailed? Well, I was at Curzon Ashton against uh, Chester. I was rerouted at, at late notice after the match that I was going to was, was postponed, as a lot were yesterday. Um, and I've got to say, first of all, as we said before, I was absolutely freezing, but we've covered that, so I won't cover it twice. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Curzon Aston prevailed after uh, after Chester were 1-0 up at half-time. Um, what I would say, it was quite an even uh, first half, um, but second half, I think Curzon Aston were by far the better team, I think. Look, it's a long time since I've seen Chester. Now I don't see as much National North football as, as, as I used to, and it's... It's quite sad, actually, seeing um, the state that, that Chester are in. They've got some good, uh, they've got some good players who played, um, you know, around the leagues. They had an away following of just less than a hundred. I know it was the FA Trophy, but you know, you're all used to Chester fans packing uh, away grounds and, and and being vocal and, and things like that. Um, they've got Jack Redshaw, who for me looks um, a class apart to everyone else on, on that pitch. Um, from Curzon Ashton's point of view, you know, they came back fantastically well in the second half. They bagged a couple of goals. Adam Thomas, ex-Stockport County, smashed one in right at the end. Um, and um, another notable thing that I see has, has gone absolutely viral on social media was that the referee had to shift his car because it got... <laughs> his, number plate, his number plate got read out after 15 minutes. Everyone was thinking, what's he doing? Yeah. Uh. Uh, but contrary to some reports, he didn't have to actually leave the ground and go and shift his car. He just had a word with someone that, as if to say, my keys are in me, uh, in me oh. keys and he go and shift it. Yeah, Curzon's first goals under uh, Adam Lakeland. So um, after three league games, uh, goalless. So um, yeah, good win for Curzon. 
And uh, as far as Chester are concerned, obviously, uh, we must mention uh, during the week leading up to this podcast, they did part with uh, uh, the management team. Uh, who was in charge of uh, Chester yesterday and what did you hear about uh, the way forward for them? Yeah, I think it was Danny Livesey in charge yesterday um, and he uh, he set them up and it's obviously a difficult period. Um, you know, they, like I said, they've got a good, a lot of good sort of guys who've played a lot higher up in the pyramid and um, have all gathered in Chester. They've had a lot of problems off the pitch and stuff like that. But I don't know what to say to Chester fans. It, it, for, for, again, it's the first time I've seen them for a long time. It, it, they're going to they're gonna need probably a bit more investment they're going to need a, a firm hand they're probably going to need to to firm up and it might be one of them where in your first 10 games let's try and concede as little as possible and if we can if we can hit teams on the break or we can put something together then then that's great but it it was sad to see yesterday I, th- I think Chester will come back they'll, they'll you know they've got a good stadium and all that sort of stuff they've got good fans when that, that can get back behind them, but um, yeah, I was expect I was expecting to be honest to turn up yesterday and there'd be a crowd of about eight nine hundred or something, and it'd be a big party atmosphere and you know maybe a, a fresh change coming, but it, it didn't feel like that. And as for uh, Jono and Morley, they'll be back, won't they? Dickie, yeah. what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm absolutely sure that they will be. Obviously, that you know their their track record um, is one that. You know, you, you can't ignore if, if if other jobs come up and they, they put their CVs in for it. You've only got to look at what they've achieved in the past. Um, where that opportunity will be, I don't know. I did see, um, I can't remember which, which of the pair it was from the other the other day, actually said it was a Friday. It was the first Friday night in a football season for 12 years. They hadn't actually been preparing for a game. Um, which shows, you know, you know they've constantly been um, in work since since... You know, they, they went into management and I don't think that will change. As for who's, you know, who Chester will will take as a, a replacement for them, I don't know. You know, maybe they'll give Danny Livesey an opportunity to um, see how that shapes up. Um, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure, you know, the mould of manager that, that Chester will be looking for. Will they look for somebody who's a, a complete, you know, about face to the management that they've had for the past two, three years or so? Quite possibly, you know, it might be that those players need to hear a different voice, a different style, and will they respond to that? But, um, yeah, I, I think it was 1-0 defeat at home to Geisley on Tuesday that did for them ultimately. But it's it's been inconsistency all season. You know, there have been some thrilling wins in there for Chester that are followed by some absolutely crippling losses. And I, and I think it's this, um, you know, swinging from one to the other that's ultimately sort of like, been there on doing is you you just sort of look and you just go I just don't know what Chester team's going to turn up today um and that's very unlike Morley and Johnson to be perfectly honest you know you would they they do give their teams an identity um and and their teams seem to have really moved away from that identity this season so uh yeah I, I think it was one of those that ultimately had to happen um but obviously, you don't like to see him. And Dickie, um, the other name to come out of the FA Trophy for me was Bailey Hobson. Who is he? He's got a hat trick for Alfreton away against Leamington, which isn't easy. And I haven't heard of him. No, he's, an, he's a new name to Alfreton this season. I'm just having to check where he's signed from. I'm, I'm thinking, um, just having a look through here, it might have been somebody fairly 
low down the ladder. I think it might even been Maltby Main or somewhere like that. So he's, he's, uh, I think Maltby Main, that sounds like a, a former colliery team and it sounds like um, Billy Heath's unearthed one there. Um, he sounds like a firm of solicitors with the name of, like, with, with Bailey Hobson as well, you know, I think. But uh, yeah, I, I know Alfredton fans from quite early in the season have been excited about the potential that he's got. Um, he, I think he tends to play wide uh, on the right-hand side, but cuts in and obviously likes to get shots off on goal. He did that to great effect by the sound yesterday. A hat-trick's a, a tremendous um, achievement, particularly away at a side like Lamington. You never make things easy for you. I think Hobson's probably on about six or seven goals for the season now, something like that, in his first season at this level. So, um, yeah, and I'm sure he'll be attracting attention from elsewhere if he carries on with that kind of thing, which, you know, I know Alfredton fans won't like to hear, but, you know, if Billy Heath can can find a player like them, um, get a good return out of him, and then perhaps Alfredton, you know, benefit from him moving on to another club and they get, you know, a, a fee, then then terrific. But, you know, I'm sure they won't be hoping, hoping that doesn't happen anytime soon. And there was another 3-0 victory as well yesterday, Dickie. Uh, Gloucester, Beating Kettering 3 0. Uh, Ollie, Ollie Hulbert um, scored, uh, scored a couple there. And uh, we were talking about Woking before. Ben Gering, ex Woking, uh, got sent off as well for, uh, for Gloucester after 52 minutes, but it didn't stop them. They still, uh, they still won 3 0. Yeah, I mean, I suppose looking at that score, you might think that score looks like a little bit of a surprise. But I think Gloucester have been getting stronger over the last few games. I think Lee Mansell's sort of like getting them together. Hulbert's absolutely been on fire. I think he scored He scored twice yesterday. That's the third successive Saturday where he scored a brace. Um, he's on loan from Bristol Rovers, so he's put some firepower into their forward line, which, you know, when you think that they've got Matt McClure up there, to, to, to think that they, they weren't scoring goals when you've got a player like him there, but, but um, I don't know. Um, perhaps Hulbert is benefiting from the fact that all the attention goes to McClure and, and, and he... Um, goes under the radar. Um, but yeah, 3-0 yesterday against Kettering Town is a, is a really good uh, result. As I say, I think Gloucester have been getting stronger. They've added people like Gehring. It's a shame they're going to miss him for some um, at least one match now with the sending off. Um, but yeah, they, they, they seem, Lee Mansell seems to have worked out what Gloucester need. He's added some experience in that spine. They've had a couple of decent league results as well. I think they got a 2-2 draw away at Darlington last week and were probably disappointed not to get all three points having led 2-0. So Gloucester are are mounting their um, charge to get away from the foot of the table. Um, And and yeah, they made progress in the trophy as well. So it's, it's been a good month for them, I think. And just to round up the uh, the rest of the scores from the north, there wasn't many. There was a few uh, games off up there because uh, obviously the weather was appalling. Um, Fylde beat Gateshead one nil um, at home, and York beat Blythe one nil as well. And uh, one other all north tie: Dickie Brackley and Boston. How did they get on? Yeah, that well, that was a, a perhaps a bit of a surprising result given how Brackley are going. That Boston um, went to uh, St James Park and, and beat Brackley by two goals to one. Um, I suppose it was perhaps written in the stars that the winner was going to come from Shane Byrne, uh, the former Brackley player who's now at Boston. Um, he put them two 0 up just before half time. Danny Elliott having added the the first goal. Leon Love got a goal back for Brackley early in the second half, but it wasn't enough for them, and they depart. They're former winners in of the trophy in 2018, of course. 
for Brackley get to concentrate on the league. Boston uh, in slightly better form. Looking at the FA Trophy sides involving the uh, more southern teams, I've broken it into three uh, categories, really. First of all, not so many of the teams from the same league playing each other, but in those games, uh, Slough beat Haven and Waterlooville won them a terrific win uh, there for Slough. St Albans won 4-1 at Oxford City. That's a very impressive result. Dartford and Bath, well, they drew, but Dartford uh, prevailed 5-3 on penalties. And uh, Hungerford, who have been in decent form themselves, beat Welling, who've been in tremendous form under Peter Taylor, 3-2. Maidstone beat Billericay on penalties. As for the losses uh, for the National League South sides, well, uh, Chelmsford lost 2-1 at home to Chesson, who just lost their striker, Ken Charles, to uh, Kings Lynn um, 24 hours or so before. So a terrific win for Chesson. Concord, nil. AFC Totten 5 is a result that stands out like a mile. Concord have been doing okay despite, uh, you know, the loss of manager, the loss of chairman uh, leading into this season. Ebbsfleet drew two all at Cray Wanderers, but then lost on penalties. So that was definitely a giant killing of a kind. Uh, And Hemel drew with Stourbridge, uh, but uh, lost on penalties. Our own Tom Lang, uh, was really excited when Hampton and Richmond Borough, who, uh, for whom he's the uh, official photographer, um, were drawn away to a team in his native southwest Plymouth Parkway. But uh, Tom's words in the WhatsApp group were few and far between yesterday as uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough uh, sadly went out 1-0. Uh, great result there for Plymouth Parkway. As for the uh, rest of the Southern uh, National League sides, uh, well, they all came through comfortably. Braintree beat Potter's Bar 3-1. Dulwich won 2-1 at Brentwood. Tunbridge won uh, 1-0 at Canvey Island. Eastbourne beat Tiverton 2-1. And Dorking won 2-0 away at Worthing. So we'll await on uh, Monday, is it, the FA Trophy door, Dickie? Yes, Monday will be the draw. I think it's released around about 1pm. As well, um, I think it comes out of there. I think there's some sort of FA competitions committee meeting on Monday morning, and the draw will emerge. There's going to be an awful lot of either or ties in there, obviously, with the way that the, the weather affected um, the, the, the weekend's program, and an awful lot of eyes on what happens on in the early few days of the week with with those ties actually taking place to determine who faces who on the. I think it's the weekend before Christmas, actually, this weekend of December the the 18th is the next round. And we'd be shocked, wouldn't we, if we didn't mention two other teams that we did miss out on. Who's going to be in the draw of uh, Hereford and Kidderminster, Dickie? Well, it's going to be Kidderminster Harriers. Uh, they progressed uh, in a penalty shootout yesterday. So that's last season's finalists, Hereford, um, gone at the first hurdle. Uh, a 1-1 draw between those two yesterday, uh, Edgar Street. Yeah, we, yeah we should, how I missed Kidderminster, I'm not quite sure, because obviously they're going really well in the league at the moment. Um, Ryan McLean equalised. Mari Morgan-Smith's opener for the Harriers there before half-time. Um, yeah, all the way through to 90 minutes. Uh, there's no extra time in the FA Trophy. Now it goes straight to penalties uh, and Kidderminster prevailed in those. I think there were some saves in there from Luke Simpson, their goalkeeper, to help them through. He seemed pretty chipper on Twitter last night. So, uh, yeah, uh, Harriers into the hat for the next round. Now, although Solihull Moors didn't have a game on Saturday, they did in the week. And uh, Dickie Wharton caught up with the manager afterwards. It's finished. Solihull Moors to Grimsby Town nil this evening um, with uh, what I imagine would be a satisfied um, Solihull manager, Neil Ardley. 
Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, when Callum had to come off early in the game, Callum Howes, it was like, wow, you know, <laughs> we've gone on a, a, all our centre half seem to be getting injured. So, um, you know, I thought then it was going to be a really tough game because they're a big, strong team and Cal's our best header. And in the end, you've got Reese, who's been out for three weeks with an ankle injury, only trained one day yesterday, and Lois, who's centre midfield, filling in for us, a new signing at right back. Um, you're trying to get Bawley to do a defensive midfield job um, but we were brave um, we came up with a game plan and it worked really really well Yeah I, I just in, you mentioned James Ball there obviously he's, he's slotted into that role presumably in Kyle Storer's absence Yeah he's, every time I've asked him to do a defensive midfield role he's done it brilliantly and he, he's gone in at centre half and been brilliant for us so he's worth his weight in gold he's six foot three we know he can score goals when, he, when you play him in an advanced midfield position but he's shown a massive worth to the team um, without the ball and that's what we want we want players that play for the team that are selfless not selfish and um, he's certainly been that took the armband when Callum went off as well good I hope he enjoyed having it on played like he was a, a leader so good, good luck to him I think it's would it be right in saying that you've been involved in some big games recently mm. you know you had the, obviously the two FA Cup games um, big occasion at Notts County mm. obviously going mm. back to your old club as well but as well as you've acquitted yourself in those games you've not come out with any rewards this was an important win tonight wasn't it it's important because we wanted to bounce back after the knots and then the brilliant performance at Wigan uh, at Chesterfield and we had a game plan there and we was the game was quite nicely balanced when Stoz got sent off so you know that killed us and then two goals in quick succession the game's over before you've even got to half time so um, yeah today was important it was important to, to win not to go three defeats um, and now we've got a tough away game and if we can come out of the tough four games we've had with, with six points I'll be delighted and that was Neil Ardley doing a decent job isn't he Dickie? Yes, he is. I mean, as he said there when he spoke to me, he was pleased to sort of get back get back to getting some points on the board after having a couple of weeks where they haven't done that. You know, the, the, that, that big game away at Notts County where, you know, they, they lost 2-0. Um, they were obviously hampered in their defeat against Chesterfield last week by Storer sending off. So they've, they've had a couple of things go against them lately. But it was a, it was a good performance against Grimsby Town. Um, they look the better footballing side of the two. I have to say they look the, the, the better equipped side of the two for the division that they're in. Um, I think Grimsby have got a, a, a few injuries um, that, that didn't help them particularly. They came into life a bit when John McAteer came off the substitutes bench and for about 10 minutes or so looked like they might get back into it. But yeah, from a corner, Solihull gave the ball to uh, Joe Sabara and he ran fully 70 yards before finishing from the edge of the box and that was it game over brilliant stuff well that just about rounds things up uh, for this week thank you very much for joining us uh, Dickie you're very welcome and Chris what a pleasure it was just the two of us chatting away there we could have gone on for hours but we got to create a podcast of less than an hour so uh, we had to curtail it a bit didn't we yeah Chris and Robin conversation this week <laughs> alas <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, alas, Pratt and Worrell. Yeah. <laughs> Got a ring about it, hasn't it? Anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure to do a whole podcast without Luke on it. No, I'm only joking, Luke. Seriously, you can cut that bit out if you want to. But uh, Luke will be busy behind the scenes editing this uh, before it comes out. And uh, we'll hopefully speak to you all again next weekend. Enjoy the pod. Have a great footballing week. <laughs>